0: Hi everyone! Uh, welcome to the very first podcast of In Layman's Terms. My name is Ben Schofield, and I'm here with my friend Rich Sontag. and we're both from the St. Louis area. And the Lord put it on our heart to start this podcast, and so we're going to open it up with a, an introductory and just a, kind of a get to know you sort of time. So I'm going to start off by asking uh, Rich some questions about him and his past. So. How are you doing, Rich?
1: Good. I'm doing great. Good. Great day to be alive. This is the day the Lord's made. I'm excited about life.
0: Yeah, we're recording this on a Sunday morning in the basement of our church. We both go to uh, Gateway 61 here in uh, Chesterfield, Missouri, which is a kind of a suburb of St. Louis. And we're in a basement office that they let us use, which was super nice of them. And we are uh, ready to get this, this show on the road. So, All Rich, right. tell me a little bit about yourself. Obviously, I know more about you, but... We want the people that would be interested in listening to what we have to say to, to know a little bit more about our background. So yeah, um, right. I know like high-level stuff. You were from around here for a long time, then you sure. moved away, then you came back. So tell me something about that.
1: Yeah, well, I, I was brought up here in the West County area, and uh, I was uh, brought up and actually also I was, so uh, for so
0: for all our st louis ones, st louis okay. people let me let me do the question which i'm not from here originally but i know the question mm-hmm. what high school did you go to
1: i went to lafayette high school okay the baseball school i played <laughs> baseball and there's about eight different uh professional guys that have signed through Lafayette. oh wow so it's quite quite a, a high okay profile. so that's not an empty bus when you say no a, no that's right. the, yeah, ba- yeah, the baseball yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so so then I, I was brought up in this uh, Lutheran uh, school, which I was formed a lot of my moral uh, compass and which mm-hmm. was great, but I really didn't know the Lord was very insecure, but I identified myself with baseball girls cars, yeah. and cars. If you were to watch my life, that's pretty much my behavior of my life. But Did you I'm look
0: insecure from the outside? Did I what? Would, would people from the outside looking in say you looked insecure?
1: Uh, probably not, because I was well. a baseball yeah. player, I, I, uh, you know, I was, I, in one way I was an introvert, you know, yeah. uh, but then when I became 19, there was actually a uh, Catholic guy, believe it or not, one of my friends started sharing with me about Jesus and how okay. Jesus yeah. uh, needed to be the Lord of my life to really yeah. get things right, and I'm yeah. like, well, I'm a Lutheran, I'm, I'm right with God, whatever, right. he said, well, let's go to a meeting, so we went to the meeting, and, uh, right there, a guy prayed for me to to receive Jesus and get filled with the Holy Spirit and boom things cool. change wow were you
0: were baptized in the Spirit right then
1: uh, no okay. I, the Spirit of God came on me and I, I that's an interesting subject for in the future but I, it, it takes Jesus Lord to get saved and I think uh, the Spirit came on me but eventually then I made Jesus Lord probably within about three months mm. all these Christians came life, actually yeah. a lot of times yeah. I was guys were witnessing to me they were drinking yeah. we were all drinking and had their places. Of all the places, but uh, but anyway, God reached me, yeah. and it uh, was amazing, and I was radically altered. Yeah, my life went from baseball, girls, and cars to the that's Word inter- of God.
0: That, that's interesting. So you're talking about a a conversion experience. And then, you know, three or four months down the line, the Lord starts putting people in your life, and you're like, okay, now you got to understand what surrender means. Yes. And you start being like, oh, okay, so that means I have to change. Right. That's cool. <laughs>
1: yeah, that was a behavior change. Yeah, yeah. So suddenly I found myself at a love for righteousness, mm. a little love for sin, and it had waned. My love for the Word of God, yeah. which opened up to me, and my love to be around like-minded Christians, yeah. and then fortunately, I didn't know it. People befriended me, and they started discipling me right away. Yeah. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't even show up half the time. Yeah. you know, and uh, I and love
0: stories like that that mess with yeah. the norm. I mean, everybody ah, thinks that awesome. well, you got saved and everything changed, and right. for a lot of people, it's you know all over the map. I mean, right. yours, you know, sometimes it's a really slow process, and yours had a three-month lull for whatever yeah. the Lord intended, and then all of a sudden it yeah. just picks up.
1: Yeah, I probably pretty Salvation about 50 times you yeah. know which one took in three months or in about six months okay Yeah. i mean sincerely and yeah. you know which one took one did oh, that's right, all i right. know because it, it changed me on the inside out yeah and, and it was it was awesome and i got involved with the on fire young adults and ever since then I've been walking with Very the cool. lord so
0: and so um i know you spent quite a bit of time at new covenant here in st louis mm-hmm. which is a really well known yeah. church and so yeah. when in and around that time frame did new covenant come in
1: well, I got saved on a small church that was called Faith and Love in Baldwin, Missouri. And then it was hooked up actually with Mike Bickle and them in South County uh-huh. before he went to Kansas City. Uh-huh. And then uh, uh, soon after that, about a year after that, we, we merged with New Covenant, which okay. is a church of about 1,000 which was great. I was introduced to guys like Steve Adelini and Tom Kyle and some guys that have just been just champions in the faith. Where was that
0: that church located at the time?
1: It was in McKelvey, off McKelvey Road in Maryland Heights, right on 270 forever, you know, and that was the church in St. Louis. If something was happening in the spirit it, that was happening there, so Grace launched out from well, there. Well, the, I mean, St. Louis family launched out from there. There's just it just from goes on from an on.
0: outsider's perspective, like like mine, which I mean, I, I'm not anymore, but I remember being an outsider and, and moving to St. Louis when I was about eighteen or nineteen. And, you know, getting to know different pastors and leaders or just even people who you're like, wow, you're really gifted. Mm-hmm. And to hear the New Covenant thread over and over and oh, over yeah. again, you know, just left me going like, wow, what a, what a legacy of a church, yeah. you know.
1: It is quite amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. So I was really blessed to be a part of that. And then uh, eventually I hooked up with some other churches in Ken- Kenosha, Wisconsin. And then eventually I moved up there uh, due to a career change and life change and that. So that that was... a. Uh, Quite an experience to another uh, podcast sometimes. Yeah, Uh, so
0: how many years did you spend up there?
1: I was up there 16 years.
0: Okay, and you just moved back, I think you told me, three years ago? Yeah,
1: 2016. Okay, so you're coming up about five years. This is my hometown. I love St. Louis. Yep. I could be a great PR guy for St. Louis. Yeah, you know. So yeah, yeah, uh, you
0: have been. Yeah, I know you. You Uber drive and stuff like that, yeah. and me and my wife frequently turn to you for uh, like advice on where to go. I mean, you and yep. I went out and had pizza the other yep. day, and you thought about it and you turned back to your. Oh, I picked yep. up this person from yeah. this pizza joint all the time, and yeah. we went and it was fantastic. Yeah.
1: I know the top restaurants, top places to go, tours. Oh yeah. Anybody comes down, look me up, I'll, I'll hook you up. Oh yeah,
0: Sorry. seriously, he's, he's the man. Or if you're just even in town, I mean, he, he will tell you the spots. <laughs> um, so now you're you're back in town. I know that you uh, do some stuff here at Gateway and mm-hmm. you're helping at another church plant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe even even more than that. Um, so tell me a little bit about what you're doing right now.
1: Well, right now, I, I do uh, several things. Uh, in my I found in my last third of my career, I decided, uh, my motto is not seek to make a living but seek to make a difference Mm -hmm. and a living will follow a difference Mm. so everything I do I position myself to make a difference in my uber car to I do uh, uh, curb appeal consulting which is landscape and other things and then I do mobile detailing but everything I do is I try to make a difference in that that's my main ministry and then I uh, I also uh, lead a what's it called T for T it's kinda like a discipleship class I do that. So I'm tell, tell everyone what
0: T for T stands for. T for
1: T is train to trainer, yeah. and it's basically we're here to not make converts, but to disciple the nations. Yep. So we want to disciple people and make them like minded so that they can duplicate themselves. So I've got a, a group of about five, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm involved with another on Wednesdays, who's uh, Mark Levesque leads T for T. Right, in so that's Midwest. that's
0: the cool part about those is that they, you're in one where you're being trained, but right. then they immediately put you guys in the position to train others, right? Exactly, yeah.
1: yep, yep. So, and it's something I'm already, my vision is to duplicate myself about five times over. Yeah, because you so, want the
0: people yep. that you're training yep. to then turn around yep. and yep. do it, right? Yep. And the
1: emphasis there is being a doer study, not a word study. We we're in a lot of, you know, we we're in a lot of uh, Bible studies that do or study and to equip you to be an effective evangelist yeah. in society. Yeah, that's the goal. Yeah, you know, in every way you, you can imagine. So yeah,
0: yeah. So. And as I've heard of, heard you talk about it, I really appreciate that um, you allow that to look like a bunch of different ways. I know you've told me sometimes you ask people how did you witness this week, and sometimes you ask them who did you serve. Because a lot of times, you know, you spend a year serving somebody before there's any kind of open door to even speak to them, you know. Um, So I I remember you saying that the other day, and I thought, oh, man, that's so nice to hear that, you know, you're telling people, do it any way possible. Serve them for a year if that's what it takes. Um, It's not always about, oh, I had a conversation with you, now let me interject Jesus, because, you know, there's this whole pearls before swine and, like, Pretending like you have some kind of an influence in the moment, and and mm-hmm. the other person's like, I don't know you. Yep. And sometimes the Holy Spirit comes and drops anointing on a conversation. You instantly have that sort of influence. Mm-hmm. But other times it's like with no relationship. And I think the Lord is all about relationship. Right. And so a lot of times, you know, He's like, love your neighbor like right. a lot.
1: That's right.
0: And then they're going to be like, why do you love me so much? Yeah. Or I've, or they're going to have hard conversations with you. You know.
1: I found that uh, through salvation, there's three equations. There's a prayer warrior. So you want to get prayer warriors around your family and friends. Yeah. And if you're not a prayer warrior, get one around you. And then uh, be befriend people. And everybody can befriend people. Yeah. Be a faithful friend, a faithful yeah. family member, and then be a proclaimer. Yeah. And ask yourself, Lord, what part do I play? And I, right. I think long-term instead of short-term. So alert, I say, Lord, line me up with people that I have a chemistry with, that I cannot walk with, yeah. that I can not only see get saved and authentically saved with a behavior yeah. change, but yeah. discipled. Yeah, to change the world. So. You know,
0: I, I, there's this this thing that, for a while, I, I I think it was the Lord dropped this phrase into my into my mind a while ago, and it was the even the Gentiles factor. You know, there's a lot of times we wear this uh, this badge of honor on on ourselves about something that we did, and in reality, I think the the Lord looks at it and says, even the Gentiles do that. Like,
1: yeah.
0: even unsaved people do that. Right. You know, you see your unsaved friend saying, you know, maybe maybe they don't even believe in God, and they're on Facebook saying. uh you know, my dad's in the hospital, prayers appreciated, prayers and thoughts, right. you know, they might right. say or whatever. And yeah. you're like, well, I'll pray for you. And, yeah. and you say a two second prayer. And I, sometimes I think to myself, I mean, even the unbelieving are literally saying a two second prayer to a God that they have right. no relationship with. Right. It's like, that's as far as I went. Like even Gentiles right. do that. Come right. on, you know? Yeah. And I apply that to like areas of service. Like, are you really laying down your life for your neighbor? That's right. And it's like, man, that's the the eye-opener oftentimes comes not just because you're a friend, but you're a faithful friend, like you said. Sure, you know, you're the guy right. that, you know, maybe it's a old high school buddy that nobody can hardly stand, and he mm-hmm. says, you know, I'm out of luck, and, mm-hmm. you know, people might go on Facebook and provide some encouraging comments, but you're the guy saying... Hey, I got a job for you. Hey, I got an extra bedroom. I mean, you're going the extra mile and you're going beyond. I mean, the spirit of God has moved you to do more than the unbeliever, more than the Gentile would do. And
1: I think we should align ourselves with people that everyone's got descendants of the righteous or we call them the prodigals. Mm -hmm. You know, you're praying for somebody. I know you're praying for your kids. I'm praying for my kids and then you're also faithful there is is align yourself with proclaimers the truth is not too many people are proclaimers boldly proclaim but if you ever need me i'll go anywhere with anybody and we'll go knock on their door or go yeah. find them yeah. and and pray with them to receive Christ so right. i am a proclaimer and uh, but you want to align yourself with those type yeah. of people so it's a good thing
0: Okay good good bunny trail but let's get back to uh, so came back from Wisconsin and now you're doing t for t Trainers t for, for t, Trainers, t, yep, yep. Um, and you're in a group, you have a group, and and then you're involved at least in one church plant and then Gateway 61 here.
1: Correct, yeah. And then I also have a ministry I call In Flame Ministries, and what I do there is to help people find their gifts and abilities yeah. by doing personality tests. Mm. By, there's a spiritual gifts test that I do, yeah. and I take great joy in that, trying to help people peel back yeah. really who they are right. so that they can find their niche in life and find the call of God on their life because that's so important Mark Twain once say the best day of my life the day I was born and the next was the day I found out why I was born Yeah. and if we can find the why in us Mm -hmm. and by peeling back people's gifts and abilities we can you know uh, lead them in a way that they can fulfill what God's called them to do which is so exciting yeah
0: there's I mean it is such a huge difference when you're doing something that you know the Lord has called you to do versus just Sometimes there's just drudgery of life that you just have to do because you have to do. Um, And the Lord gives you grace and discipline to do them. But, man, when you find that thing that that makes you come alive and you're, you know, you stand. A lot of people don't attain to this, but you have that reaction and that feeling of, I wish I could do this for a living.
1: Sure, like this is yeah. so great. Yeah. Why can't
0: I do this forty hours a week?
1: Yeah, I don't know what Fridays are anymore. I was talking to Diane Kramer, one of the senior pastors. Yeah, season. she was. In a, she didn't know Friday. She loves being a pastor. She's, yeah, you know. And, and I go, I love doing what I do. Yeah. I, just, I don't go to work anymore. I right, just, right. You know. So
0: let's let's get into that real quick then. Um, uh, if you were done talking about the the, the help people find their giftings thing, because your your yeah. work situation is really unique and it really lends a lot to. The calling that you have like I can see how the Lord set you up with this just because of who you are and what you're called to so what do you do for to to, to make an, a living your income
1: well I mean I uh I uber drive is probably uh 75 of my income and then I do mobile detailing which I love doing I um just uh, detailing cars, getting in there and cleaning them up and uh, it's just a joy and it brings joy to people. And usually every time I do it I ask God to give me a word yeah. for that person when I, while I'm cleaning their car. And yeah. God usually speaks something to me and that's been a blessing. I try to just go the extra mile, I, I call it five star.
0: Right. You right. know.
1: And then uh, then the other thing is uh, I have a company called Curb Reveal Consulting, it's basically helping people sell their house at a premium price. And cutting edge by doing their curb appeal, looking cool, yeah, and then doing everything cosmetically from their kitchens, bathrooms, uh, where it looks sharp, right, so that they can sell it at a premium price. So and uh, yeah, it's it's all good. I just actually did a house right across the street from church here. Oh okay, you know, did that curb appeal. So
0: nice, nice. Um, And so the reason why I say that that lends so well to the way the Lord uses you is because I know you've always got uh, a, a new story for. You know, how you were able to engage somebody in your car. I mean, I think you say typically one time per day, one of your rides is a divine appointment. And you've told me, you know, having great conversations with Hindus, Mm. meeting a believer that's in town from China or something or overseas, you told me about. And just on and on, like, well well beyond the the coincidental factor, you know, where God just keeps dropping people in your lap for a whole bunch of different reasons. Yeah,
1: just amazing yeah this morning i met a guy I just networked out with and yeah he, he was an uber driver and he's 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 a big six-figure guy and oh wow. he does uber driving on the side, so we connected up and we're gonna talk and uh so it's it's all good yeah it's fun fun stuff man yeah i, love I it. like it i like it all righty uh we're here again with the ben schofield and uh just kind of want to peel back on really what is he's all about, Bob. I know he's an, an MK and a PK. That's a missionary kid yeah. and a pastor's kid, which is always unique, you know. Yeah. But uh, So tell us a little bit about your story from childhood to now and being an MK, a missionary's kid. I'm sure that was quite interesting.
0: Yeah, um, well, I was born in a small town south of Kansas City called Harrisonville. Um, and then in 1989, June of 1989, uh, my parents, along with my five brothers and I, so there's six of us, all boys, we all moved down to Guatemala, and we lived there from '89 till not quite '98. Um, so you know, I was nine when we moved down, and. and um, not quite eighteen when we moved back, so really really formative years so um, my dad was a pastor here in, in well he was a pastor down there too, I suppose, but um, that's where the pK and MK come in together um, i didn't have i mean I guess it depends when it comes to Guatemala i didn't have really as common of a, of a story as as what I saw down there um, just because we were like really fully immersed and we we had far more Guatemalan friends and we did American friends and Mm. you know there was missionary schools down there where they were all American missionaries and stuff and we didn't go to those we went into a a Guatemalan school so Mm. you know in many respects we were brought up very Guatemalan you know Um, it's always a little bit different when your parents have a different culture but you're immersed in a a different culture yourself so it's kind of like a a dual dual citizenship kind of a thing dual dual culture Um, so real formative years down there from the time I was, like I said, nine to about eighteen, and then I moved back. And when we moved back, um, because we weren't sent out by like a missions organization that has like real regular schedules. A lot of those missions organizations are like, you're gone for a year, you're back for a year, or back for a six month furlough, and they like sort of like mandate it to prevent burnt out, burnout, and things like that. Mm-hmm. All, all good reasons, but our, you know, our life was immersed, and so life for us was just life. It didn't, it, you know, it was very organic, and so there wasn't like this burnout thing and so we didn't take furloughs um so we we came back for very short visits mm. i think twice in in eight, eight or nine years um but all, all that to say that by the time we moved back um some of our stronger relationships were with people that we knew in guatemala and one of them just happened to be a missionary couple that were from right here in st louis and so when we moved back uh, we chose to move to, to St. Louis to sort of maintain that relationship, and so mm-hmm. that's how we wound up here. Cool. Um, so we we came, uh, moved back, and moved to St. Louis. That's when the kind of the whirlwind of life really began for me. I, I would say that um, m- most At of what my age time, were you? Uh, eighteen, not 18, quite eighteen, 18. yeah. Uh, when when this part happened, I was I was the tail end of seventeen. But um, when I was most of my time in Guatemala, I would say that I was. Um, you know backslidden um, some people might say lukewarm I might say yeah not much of a difference right but uh, when I came back the Lord really just started to, to, to get a hold of me um, and I kind of in, in retrospect I kind of have said that I go through the or I was going through sort of the process of becoming an adult and having to go leave my parents covering and come under my own you know and the Lord was saying okay now you need to decide for yourself you know, you were under your parents, and, and you know, you've seen probably 101 umbrella analogies, and, you know, sure. I just felt like I was basically becoming a man in some respects and right. being more responsible for my own actions and choices and, and beliefs and things like that. And so of all things, while well, we were driving across the country, because that's the first thing we did, we came home, and then we started visiting people that had support us, supported us, which had us driving from Texas to California, California to St. Louis to Kansas City and back to St. Louis and all this stuff and you know not particularly an on fire kid or whatever somehow i wind up with the book um the tale of three kings in my possession which i don't know if you've ever read it gene edwards um, i believe it's gene edwards Um, apparently it has this effect a lot and i didn't know it i don't even remember how i got the book but this is the book i'm reading and we are driving from I still remember exactly where it's at. the the It was there for years, but we were driving from, for years after this, but we were driving from Kansas City to, to St. Louis, specifically on Highway 71, Harrisonville, up to Kansas City to get on 70 to come to St. Louis. And this book is like ripping my heart out, just like wow. shredding it. It's an intense book. I found out later that it does this to virtually everyone that reads it. I mean, it is just this amazing book on surrender. And wow. that just happened to be what I was going through. And so the Lord orchestrates it to whatever, for whatever reason, you know, this backslidden, war- lukewarm kid reading this this book that is all about surrender, you know, right as it's sure. as trying to get a hold of my heart. And so I'm reading this book, and I'm, uh, like, in the passenger seat with my brother driving one of the two cars we were driving across the country. And I am, like, silently, like, as silently as possible, like, weeping to myself quietly and just, like, feeling the tug of God, but not fully understanding what it is you know like what is going yeah, on right. and i look out the window and there's this itty bitty sign about this big you know like 10 by 20 or something like that on a fence post of a farm with nothing no house around it nothing just farmland behind it and it says obey god wow and i mean that was it like did me in you know Wow. Wow. and wow. <coughs> so that was it that was like the the turning point for me wow. um uh, and then later on, like, I remember <clears throat> not knowing that that book had an effect on everybody that way or virtually everybody.
1: Okay. And a
0: friend came to me and said, uh, hey, I got a long play ride. Uh, what book would you recommend? And I said, oh, man, Tale of Three Kings is really good.
1: And it's called Tale?
0: Tale of Three Kings. Three Kings. Yeah. Everyone needs to make note of that. Oh, it's a, good, it's a good book. Yeah. It's about David and, and potentially losing the kingdom to his son and stuff Sweet. and the way he treats the whole process. But anyways, um. Uh. My friend comes to me and says, "Hey, I got a long plane ride. Do you recommend a book?" And I recommended that. And then he comes home like a week later and he goes, "You jerk." And I said, "What?" He goes, "I was like weeping and weeping on the plane ride in front of like, you know, 200 people." Wow. And I was like, "Oh, i I mean, I'm kind of sorry. Like it had that effect right, on me too, right. but I didn't realize it was yeah, universal. Yeah. And I've talked to several people since then. and Everybody says the same thing. It's like, oh my gosh, that hurt. that book will just like tear you wow. to shreds in a good way. You know,
1: this opens your heart up, huh?
0: Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, just yeah. 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 It's it's you know it's a it's a it's a. The author's rendering, it's sort of fictional, but not fictional, about you know what must have been going on in yeah. David's heart as his son tried to steal yeah. the kingdom from him.
1: Isn't that good? Because here you're brought up in a very religious upbringing, yeah, as I was as right. a Luther. And your heart crusts over. Is God way oh, far away? And it, our hearts crust over, and He isn't real and authentic. Yeah. So to see a book like that and the Holy Spirit use that to get into the heart. Yep because i always see these guys i call them dead men walking. Yeah. That dude's there but he's not there. Yeah. Do you know what i mean? Yeah. But that's good to see that that uh, a guy can use a book to get through all the religious. Yeah. Oh yeah, heart. i mean,
0: yeah, i don't i mean i don't know anybody who i mean, yes, there are people who can really keep keep their heart aflame, but i just, you know, it's it's seems to me to be very at least common if not natural to to get to the point where you're going through the process and you just need to stop and take inventory and say oh god you need to set my heart on fire again because you know you gave me orders to do it and I've been doing the orders faithfully and before I knew it I was doing them without you you know Um, I think it's, uh, it's a pretty common thing and you know something we can all take maintenance, you know, yes. maintenance plans to, to prevent us from getting there. But, right. I, you know, it's not a shameful place. It's just stop and take inventory and find out yeah. if you've lost your first love. You know, like, am right. I really doing this out of a relationship or is it like right. duty, 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 you right.
1: know? So you get saved. You so get, get authentically saved. saved yeah, so and then eventually so your just, life changes.
0: For, for <clears throat> the sake of the bizarre timeline, let's just say that was January. It was it was middle of winter, so it had to be been January or February. Of what year? Of 1998. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that happens, and we come back to St. Louis, and we settle uh, at a church called uh, Victory Fellowship, which is now called Southgate here in in, uh, St. Louis County, what around the city is called South County. And uh, another pastor from the area named Randy Clark uh, was going to come do a series of meetings there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And... One of the things that that he does with his ministry is he loves to train people to be on ministry teams, which in reality what he's doing is just training people to minister in general, but he gives you the safe space you know to do it um, and a lot sure. of helpful just springboards. like he mm-hmm. calls them like you know uh, the five-step healing model and stuff like this, and it's mm-hmm. never like this is the only way it works. It's just like, here's a really safe place to start while you're learning, sure. and you just spring off of that and do whatever the Lord leads you, you know. Um, So anyways, he he came through and he was like, hey, you know, my my guys that come in with me, they're going to do ministry team training. Mm -hmm. If you want to be on the ministry team during our meetings, you know, go to the training. And I was young and on fire. And I was like, I want to do that. You know, and I grew up in uh, charismatic Pentecostal churches. None of it was foreign, but it was a lot of um, not entirely, you know, it was a little bit of a hybrid, but. A lot of like one-man show kind of stuff you'd have in like mm-hmm. the really anointed guy and the really anointed guy would do what he does. Um, and I have I have grace for those situations. I You know, I think people mm-hmm. need to do what they're called to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think that believers are called to do a lot more than they do. Sure. Um,
1: so you got with Randy.
0: So I got with Randy. They do this ministry team training and then I'm on the ministry team. And uh, I'm in this, this meeting with him and he does a night where he teaches on how to get words of knowledge. What does it mean? How does the Lord speak to people most commonly? And then what do you do with it? Mm-hmm. And so he does that, and then he has people get up that give words of knowledge, and you know I'm like, okay, and then later we wind up praying for the Mm -hmm. sick. And so we wind up praying for the sick, and I'm out in the lobby praying for somebody's um, uh, foot. Uh, I remember I was on the ground praying for somebody's foot and just had this bizarre, I had to have been, I mean, I can't really account for it any other way, angelic encounter. Mm -hmm. Praying for this guy's foot, it's uh, March, it's cold, and I'm praying for his foot, and I get kind of done, and I'm down on the ground, and I feel the heat vent from behind me kick on and start blowing warm air on me, and I was cold, and so I mm-hmm. stand up and I'm like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up into the heater, this feels kind of nice, mm-hmm. and I back up, and you know, when you're on the ground, you're quite a top, you know, ceiling, ceiling heaters, and you're pretty far from it, and then I stand up, and you know, now all of a sudden, I'm five foot closer to the heater than I was, and the, the, the heat, the, the air flow gets even more faint. Mm. And I'm like, well, that's weird, you know, I stood up into it, and I turn around, and then there's no heater there at all, and I have this warm air blowing at my face. And it starts to get more faint. And so as it does, I start to walk towards it. And, and so what ends up happening is for as awkward as it sounds, because it felt super awkward at the time, I end up following this heat. And I, I walk into the sanctuary with this hot air blowing on my face. And the whole time thinking to myself, I look weird, I look weird, I look weird, you know. So I try not to look awkward. I walk all the way up the aisle, and all I'm doing is following this, this hot air blowing in my face. And then in a second, it stops instantly. And so I, like, stop dead in my tracks. And literally within a half a second, I didn't even have time to turn around and walk away to figure out what the heck was this. Randy Clark stands up. He had been praying for somebody's foot or something like that. He had stands up and, and is right in front of me. And I take inventory of what happened and I look around. And right where the heat stopped, put me at the very end of the ministry line. And I was next in line. Wow. And like it was my turn to be prayed for. And it looked like I'd been standing there the whole time. And I was like, Ugh! you know, and so he goes, What do you need prayer for? Mm-hmm. And so I like freeze. And the first thing that comes to mind that wasn't a lie was, Well, I mean, my stomach was kind of hurting out in, the, out in the lobby when I was praying for somebody. And uh, so he starts praying for me and prays for me for maybe like 20 seconds. And he, he stops and he goes, wait a second. Is this a common thing? Do you get stomach aches? Did you eat something weird? And I said, no, not really. It just hurt. And while it was true, it had only hurt for like five seconds. And I was just, I was grasping at straws to come up for a reasonable explanation sure. of why I was standing there, you know, um, because the other thing was way weird for me. Mm-hmm. And so he stops and he says, you know, is this common for you? Do you ever get it? Did you eat something weird? And I said, no, no, no. And so without asking me or anything, and I'm super insecure teenager, super insecure, he flips on his lapel and says, hey, everybody, this guy, and then he whispers to me, what's your name? I said, Ben. He goes, hey, everybody, this guy, Ben, has a word of knowledge. If you have anything wrong with your stomach, come up here. He's going to pray for you. And I'm like, what? Like, I didn't think it was a word. I didn't even have time to process it, right? Right. Um, And so before I know it, like 20 to 25, it's such a generic word, you know. So 20 to 25 people line up in front of me, and I'm supposed to pray for them. Wow. Never prayed for the sick. Went through the ministry team training, and I'm now completely blank on what any of that was. And so for 20 to 25 people, I literally pray exactly what he prayed over me for those 20 seconds before he decided it was a word of knowledge, wow. and every single one of them got healed. Wow. And so in
1: layman's terms, uh, articulate uh, what is a word of knowledge. Oh,
0: that's good, yeah. So a word of knowledge is, um, I would say in a generic sense, it's it's any sort of knowing of a present reality, something right now. That's how mm-hmm. it would be distinguished from a prophetic word. It's not necessarily okay. about... Um, the future or about encouragement. It's about a present reality, like, mm-hmm. oh, I mm-hmm. got a word that, you know, your car is red or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's a present reality. So when it comes to healing, oftentimes the Lord gives those because He's saying, you know what, I want to heal right now? This. Mm-hmm. And so it's a way that He communicates, like, You know, the the Bible makes a a very interesting distinction, and it says in a lot of places that when Jesus went into a town, many who were there were healed. In Mm -hmm. other places, it says all who were there were healed. Mm -hmm. And I think Jesus kind of summarizes that by saying, um, I only do what I see the Father doing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, here we are 2,000 years later trying to make sense of it, and I think one one of the ways that we do that is with words of knowledge, and we're like, well that God God gave me this word like there's somebody here with a stomach problem that's him telling me this is what I'm doing right now and this is how we follow along
1: so some people say they would call it ESP in the world. Sure. In, in yeah, ESP—you yeah. know something yep. about something that a one could not know yep. supernaturally. Sure. You know, and I've seen it operated. It, so it's interesting. Yeah. So anyway, so you you then encounter Randy Clark, and then what happened next in your and life? And
0: so the next the next day, uh, this very similar thing happens. I get some words of knowledge, and he coaches me to start writing them down. Right. Mm-hmm. So I get you know three or four, and wind up praying for another twenty or thirty people, and every single one of them gets healed. Well, and while I'd like to say that that continued. It didn't, um, not in that sort of potency where everybody prayed for it got healed. But what happened was um, the Lord really used that to, like, open Randy's eyes because he had been telling Randy for years uh, that he needed to start discipling younger people. Um, and so... You know he's trying to get serious about that, and this happens, and our giftings were so very similar that the Lord, you know, told him this is this is who you need to, to start wow. pouring into. Great. And so he asked me the second day we met. He, you know, he says, "Would you like to travel with me?" And then later, you know, had to apologize to my parents because he didn't realize I was I was underage. I was seventeen, and and luckily my parents had a tiny bit of history with him, just enough to know who he was and that he was on the up and up, not but not you weird. just did it. And so, yeah, within two months, I was traveling the world with him. We were gone 180 days a year. We went to 14 or 15 different countries. I mean, we would administer three, four meetings a day. We'd, our first one started at 8 or 9 a.m., and our last one would end at 2 or 3 in the morning on the regular. Oh my gosh. And it was this whirlwind two years, like, life-changing stuff, oh. like, life-changing stuff. Oh. So that really, I mean, from, from backslidden to that in six months. Wow. Yeah. And so my, my first meeting with him, man, it was, I still remember, it was in State College, Pennsylvania, right. and it was in their basketball stadium. Right. Not that it filled up or anything like that, but it was a good 800 people there. And uh, super insecure 18-year-old, mm-hmm. and he's telling about what just happened in St. Louis and making me really, really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then he says, now come up and give some, some words of knowledge, Ben, which I had been, writing them down but i mean i'm, I'm terrified you know right. this is like it's the, so the primary way that i get words of knowledge is by feeling pains in my body right. um which is the way randy gets words of knowledge it was really just a really linking up of the way the lord did it you know and uh, anyways he uh uh calls me up and i'm super you know i get the mic and i'm shaking and all this kind of stuff and anyways roll into that and wind up doing ministry with him for two years and then got into um uh uh you know the lord made it clear that that Season of full time ministry was going to end for me, and so I just followed yep. him into to business where I'm at now, and I do IT stuff. I do a lot of programming. Um, okay. I make I, I I make programs from you know cradle okay. to grave, start to finish kind of a thing. And and, you have kids, or uh, yep, I got uh, three kids. Three. Um, yep, three kids, uh, and they are 17. Well, uh, 17. Uh, sorry, I, I should say I have four kids. I I have a new kid now. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, get the count off when you're just answering it one way. <laughs> good, good. Um, so I have a 17-year-old, an 11-year-old, uh, a 9-year-old, and a 7-year-old. Awesome. Yeah. That's
1: exciting. So,
0: yeah, we, we live here in St. Louis. We, we're attending Gateway. Um, my ministry opportunities right now are, are mostly relational. I still mm-hmm. go and speak very rarely at different places. Um, you know, I'm open to it. The Lord always told me I'd get back into to ministry mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but that the season right now is just real... Business and family building.
1: Could you could you answer? You don't have to, but could you answer your why? What why is God called you, or how has God called yeah. you? Your giftings. Could mm-hmm. you articulate that? Um, yeah, it
0: might it might change from day to day. The the why. Well, I guess the how. But um, my why um, is for sure. I want to see people equipped in um, mm-hmm. in their callings. I, obviously, I feel more qualified to help out in that when our callings like overlap. Like I think every Christian should be able to pray for the sick and see people healed and cast out demons. I mean it was what Jesus told the disciples to do and then in the Great Commission he said now go tell everybody to do what I told you to do. I mean Mm -hmm. this is for everybody you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And they'll know that you're my disciples because you'll lay hands on the sick and Raise the dead, and so I think everybody's called to that. And I think that a lot of the church just has not—they've made it made it uh, to be a part of God's man of power for the hour. And sure. so there's a lot of people that are just spectators, and we really need to get that into our everyday lives. Right. So that's that was that was Randy's really bedrock of his ministry, and that's something that's carried through to me. Um, right. So I'm I'm really all about that. Um, right. And when I got into business, that expanded um, into really a little bit more like what you're saying, just. Saying, you know, people are called to a lot of different things, and if I can be of any aid in helping them, you know, get there, see it, um, right. and, and move towards it, you know, I, I really right. want to do that. I want right. to be a part of it. And I've, you know, done that here and there by helping people get into new jobs, training people to do things. Mm-hmm. I've paid for, you know, people's uh, tuition to get into new careers, and it's changed their lives, and, all, you right. know, I just... I'm trying to refine it. There's a couple things that I really want to focus in on at some point in the future that we can talk about later, but, I mean, that's that's really, that's my why, is I'm like, man, people are struggling to, to understand what God really wants them to do. You know, mm-hmm. they're, in, they're in ruts, they're in vicious cycles, and I just want to come in and interrupt it any way that I can. Um, my how... You know, like I said, I've done that uh, a half dozen different ways that have been somewhat affected. I just want to be open. I want to be open to it. I love training people to to walk in supernatural stuff to, to make that a more commonplace thing. Um, that was one thing that I loved about Randy's min- do love about Randy's ministry is that it takes that ooky, spooky, supernatural and makes it so plain Jane that it's cool. just easy to to get into. You know, it's like like what we called the podcast, layman's terms. It's right. like take that uh, man of power for the hour kind of stuff and right. and turn it into a layman's thing and be like, we can all do this. You know, right? right. Uh, we all should do this. Yeah, actually, cool. you know, that's a big that's a big difference too.
1: Yeah, we to leave it too much to the clergies, don't we? And the people oh, with totally. the big titles. Yeah. You know, and God's called all of us to be yeah, ministers I mean, of God. Isaiah sixty-two says, "No longer will we be a desolate people, but uh, yeah. people that are ministering to yeah. the nations." Yeah, you know, and we, sought we,
0: after. We've we've fallen back into an Old Testament mindset where the the priest and aka our clergy, our pastors are the ones off making sacrifices on our behalf, and then we all benefit. But when Jesus left, man, he he said, he said, um, go and wait until I pour out the spirit and then he pours out the spirit on everybody, you know, is like we're smashing the Old Testament mindset. It's right. not going to be priests doing everything on behalf of the people. We're I'm going to call you back into a kingdom of priests. Right. It's going to be everybody doing the stuff and now here we are 2000 years later and most of us are like, well the pastor, the pastor does that. That's his that's why we pay him, right. you know, and it's like, no, we got to get back to that. But, right. you know, sometimes like I saw that one person and I really believed they were called to do something different and I was like, Look, I'll invest in I'll invest in that three or four thousand dollar class free whatever it was and and they took it and i mean they their career changed i mean their entire life changed now it's like that's amazing i want to do that more you know And that's not what it is for everybody it's not always they need money sometimes it's they need to hear no god will use you in healing god will use you in deliverance and and when they're like i don't get it how then you walk into that so my how is all over the place which i think yours is too i mean when you but i'll ask you the same question so what is your why and what is your how
1: well my why is that uh God's put me on this uh, earth to be an evangelist to win people to Jesus and then to disciple others. Um, and how I'm doing that is probably through Inflame Ministries, which takes mm-hmm. this is kind of a, even a new chapter yeah. of that. As soon as you said, hey, let's do a podcast, I was like, I'm in. Yeah. I was like, I didn't have to think about it. Yeah. I was like, that was just one part of another unveiling. I also do what's called uh, the Filling Station, it's, it's like a, a little mini teaching on Facebook yeah. and YouTube. And uh, it's something I'm developing, and uh, so yeah, it's just different things that I continue to do.
0: Yeah. So in closing. So that's your that's your why, and, and your how is my how your ministries and the podcasts and yeah, okay. ministries yeah
1: Good. yeah. So in closing, if we were to kind of articulate what we want to do here mm-hmm, in this podcast, mm-hmm. what what's what's your passion?
0: Well, um, my passion is really, I think to. To break the the Bible down into layman's terms, I think it's it's always culturally relevant, um, mm-hmm. and I think that you know I'm a teacher at heart, um, but I don't think that teaching and understanding the Bible and just clear theology and stuff has to be um, has to be as difficult as some people make it out to be, and I think it's far more fruitful and useful than, than a lot of people think it is um, but all that in the vein of it has to be practical and when I say mm-hmm. practical it has to make a difference now
1: mm-hmm.
0: like what you know why don't I read the Bible and always walk away with like oh man this is really something I can do mm-hmm. you know and I think that's a, that's a big a, a big part of it for me is I just want to break stuff down and I want to take like the encouragement that you're so good at, and merge it with a big Y in the Bible and be like, look how these link together. I mean, here's Rich encouraging you to do X, Y, Z. Look how the Bible encourages you to do the exact same thing. Um, And I just, you know, I I love to break down um, traditions and barriers Mm -hmm. in the church that have grown up over hundreds of years and don't need to be there. Um, I think they keep people in bondage a lot in a lot of different ways. I mean, you and I have talked a lot about... um, you know that set of verses in Romans that says you know there's people that are convicted in different ways some people are convicted not to eat meat and some Mm. people are convicted to eat only vegetables and you know Paul's whole little diatribe there is basically like you need to respect other people's convictions and he doesn't even gloss over the fact that some people are right and some people are wrong what he's saying is stop putting your beliefs on other people and I think that one of the one of the biggest damages to the church in the last hundred or so years is where a a a major preacher speaker whoever even if it's not you know somebody major they get this revelation from god that's for them and then they write a book and tell everybody else to do it and so you know in the past i think people have called that putting on saul's armor you know like david tried to do and it's like trying to walk into somebody else's calling somebody else's prescription that god gave them about how to do and you know what you do is so great because you don't do any of that you're like Let's do a personality test and let's find out who God made you to be. That's right. And it has nothing to do with the last book you read, or maybe it does. Yeah. But let's find out who God made you to be and help you to understand how you walk in that specifically. Right, right. Like, man, I want people to be free of this. You know, the church says you have to be a certain way, yeah. or operate yeah. a certain way, yeah. or work a certain yeah. way, and. And, I mean, I I just love that so much.
1: Yeah, just so the listeners know, kind of our vision is, uh, Ben, it just brought up a subject about, uh, you know, some people eat meat and some don't. Uh, We want to get into convictions, pet peeves. Yeah. When do we lord our convictions, pet peeves over people, which is legalism? Or when do we respect someone that maybe has an alcohol problem that we maybe yeah. should not have a beer around or right. drink around, and uh, so which is a whole other podcast yeah, and yeah. one of many kind of visionary things that we can kind of yeah. But, the I think, but I think what's
0: cool is we'll get into those a lot because we'll we'll decide to discuss random you know stuff, random current events, and right. Rich will say one thing and I'll disagree and we'll be yeah. totally fine with it. Yeah, Believe right, it or not, right. we don't have to yeah. we don't have to lose unity over it right, because. Right. Yeah, we know how to do that. We yeah. can we can disagree over major stuff and right, be okay with right,
1: it. Right, right, yeah. Fundamentally, we need to just continue to love each other yep. and, and walk with each other. Yeah. Uh, I know the next uh, podcast we've been talking about uh, during the holidays is uh, how can we as Christians, uh, uh, you know, be who we are in our yep. family dynamics, yeah. but lead people to Christ. Maybe one step closer. Yep. You yep. know, and uh, that's something I want to be able to talk about, you and I, and yeah. how can we do that. Be yep. all things that I'm in. Yep. To persuade them my ways, and, but not be weird, but uh, be unique enough to, to win people yeah. to Christ and our yep. family members, you know, which is a hard, challenging dynamic. It can then, be, so, yeah. You know,
0: So, so let's, let's close in some prayer. Yeah, let's pray. All right.
1: Father, we just thank you for this time together. Lord, we thank you for Ben's testimony from being just... Uh, an ordinary pastor's kid to God touching him through a book. And thank you, Lord, through uh, a golf course in a small church and uh, a preacher touched my life. And, Lord, because of that, we're changed. And uh, we're here years later ready to equip uh, the saints, uh, the people in the church, and and, and also lead others to Christ. We just thank you for this time, and we, we commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen.